Our Lord is worthy and he has called us to come before him with petitions. And we have a holy God who loves us and sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. And he has called us to come before him daily with our many, many needs because we are extremely needy people. And so take this time right now, come before the Lord, ask him to speak to you as, as his word is read and preached. Pray for me. Think about the millions upon millions that are on this earth right now who are lost. Petition the Lord that more workers would be sent out. But take this time and come before him in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are a God who you do not change. You do not slumber. You do not sleep. You are providentially ruling over all things. So many times in our life we are so guilty of looking at what's happening in this world and we we live as if we are helpless, but yet you have called us to come before you and to petition. Father, we know that you are good. We know that your will is being accomplished on this earth. Father, we know that you are good to us. So we come with great humility this morning as we have gathered together to worship you, acknowledging, Lord, that you are the only one who is worthy of our worship and praise. That through the reading and preaching of your word, that you would grow us, strengthen us, mature us, for we know that your word is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces and it cuts and it divides. But it is what we need to be equipped. It's what we need to mature and to press on and to glorify you, Lord, with our life. Well, we pray for Eulis and the surrounding cities. Lord, we pray that your, your servants would engage the lost with the gospel. Well, we pray that we would be men and women who abide in your word. We engage those in our own home with the gospel. Father, bless this time right now. Bless the reading and the preaching of your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you would, remain standing for the reading of God's word and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find this on page 529. Page 529. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, I will read verses 1 through 9. 
Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word. Please be seated. I want to begin with a quick word of saying thank you for praying for those of us who were on the mission trip to Utah. There was 38 kids that were involved this past week at Vacation Bible School. The gospel was shared at Desert Ridge Baptist Church. The gospel was shared at Dixie State University. Many conversations were had with Mormons, and we even went out to the unreached uh, Indian Paiute Reservation. And uh, we had many gospel conversations there, and a huge praise was one of the families drove like 30 minutes to attend VBS every day from the Paiute Reservation. And they heard the gospel every day. It was a huge blessing. And I'm really looking forward to Vacation Bible School, uh, not this upcoming week, but the following week here at VBS to see what the Lord does. The knowledge of God is important, isn't it? It's highly important. The knowledge of God. What we believe about the Lord is the most important thing about us. When I engage people with sharing the gospel, I use an exact vocabulary. I approach them and I say, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us. What is it that you believe? The knowledge of God is important. The truth that we need to know who the Lord is according to his holy word. We reminded that in our study of Jeremiah this morning. That we must know who God is according to his word and not the many, many voices that are in this world that may be deceiving spirits. That we need to know who the Lord is according to his word, that we need biblical knowledge. We need to know what the Lord has decreed. We need to know what the Lord has said that he will do. What are the Lord's promises? We need to have knowledge of the word of God so that we are confident that we actually possess a biblical and saving faith. When individuals in the church do not know who God is according to his word or what he has promised, you will find many joyless individuals in a church. When our mind is not focused on who the Lord is, when our mind is not focused upon what he has promised, you and I will live day to day joyless. This will happen. Proverbs, Proverbs points to wisdom. This is beyond biblical knowledge. Proverbs instructs us in the skill of godly living. 
From the very first chapter in Proverbs 1, you have the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. Verse 8, he says, Hear, my son, your father's instructions. Chapter 2, you have my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments. Chapter 3, my son, do not forget my teaching. Chapter 4, hear, O sons, a father's instruction. That we need to know who the Lord is. We need to know what the Lord has decreed. We need to have knowledge of God. But Proverbs, it points beyond knowledge and instructs us in wisdom and the skill of godly living. The knowledge of the Lord and His commands applied in our everyday life for His glory and not our own. You see, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us, for this includes or excludes saving faith. One of the things I was constantly reminded of in Utah, talking to individuals, they are taught, who attend the LDS church, they are taught, you agree with Christians. When they talk about Christ, you agree with them, because they know at the end of the day they have nothing to stand on. Just agree with them. But in Proverbs, it instructs us in the skill of godly living to know what we believe, why we believe what we believe, and the knowledge of God that we have of who he is, what he has promised, is to play a role in our life lived on this earth. Because what we believe also determines how we live. What we believe is so important. And how we conduct our life is also important. This is what he is teaching his son. He wants his son to have wisdom. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Keeping is not just knowing. It is obeying. As the Apostle Paul declared in Philippians 1, if I am to live in the flesh, what does that mean for me? That means fruitful labor for me. Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God's children are his workmanship, and God's children were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Jesus even gave us a parable concerning the value of the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 13, we find, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You know, our salvation in Christ, what he has done for us, what he has done in us, it is a miracle because it's a work of God and not a work of man. That Christ has legally justified us, justified sinners by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. We who are in Christ, we're declared righteous and not guilty because the Lamb of God has come to this earth. He who knew no sin freely laid down his life, paying the penalty for our sins by becoming sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you are a Christian, you believe this. 
you have called on Christ for salvation, you put your trust in Christ alone, this is a promise that we learn in God's word, and this is a promise in which there is much joy. This morning, as we sang, you are alive today because of Christ. You are physically alive because God has given you breath to live today. And if you've been born again, you've been saved because of the work of Christ. That he has drawn you to himself. You have heard the gospel proclaimed. You have repented of your sins. You have put your faith, your hope, and trust in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. What a blessing. As God's children, we find joy in hearing the gospel. We find joy in the reading of God's word. We find joy in singing of the good news. For example, the hymn, There is a Fountain. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Ever since by faith I saw the stream, the flowing wound supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. The problem is in this life there is trouble, there are difficulties. There is so much going on right now in this world. There is so much that we can be doing. There are so many advertisements and distractions. We become tired depressed, defeated. We are all often found knowing biblical knowledge and having joy in what the Lord has revealed to us. But because of the demands of this life, the tyranny of the urgent, as well as our daily forgetfulness and our misplaced priorities, we fail to keep and obey the commands of the Lord. We fail in our duty before the Lord elevating our own desires, our own ways. And here in Proverbs 4, Solomon continues to plead with his son to get wisdom. He pleads with his son to walk this life knowing the word of God and obeying the word of God. If there is one thing that I think that, let's just talk just about our church for a moment. There is one thing we must not be content with having knowledge. We must put that knowledge to work as the apostles did. That what we believe about God is to matter in and through our life for the glory of God. As Solomon is pleading with his son to get wisdom, to take the knowledge and to put it forth in your everyday living, to listen to the voice of Lady Wisdom and to follow her, to not consent to the enticing voices of this world, the many voices of Dame Folly that lead to death. In many ways, you could say that Proverbs is a call to remember and a call to simplicity. A call to live your life by listening to one voice, what God has said. I mean, as Christians, 
we take pride in the fact that we, as we go and we evangelize, and we talk to other peoples of different religion, we say sola scriptura. It's time that we prove that with how we live. In the words of R.C. Sproul, simply put, we bring our creator the most glory when we reflect his character. In living a holy life, we witness to his holiness and glory, reminding creation of who he is. When we show mercy and forgive, we manifest his graciousness and compassion. Fighting for justice, we glory God as the only perfectly just judge. The nine verses today can be summed up this way. Get wisdom and insight. Get wisdom and insight. It's very easy for us to come, as we have already gone through Proverbs 1, 2, and 3, to come this morning and to think, I have heard about wisdom for seven weeks now. I got it. No, you don't. No, I don't. We need to be reminded. We fail. We forget. We sin. We pursue the lust of this world. We think selfishly. Our lives are blown by the wind of our culture. We need to be reminded we need Proverbs 4. Look at verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Be attentive. You may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. This is the first occurrence of the word sons and not son. This change reminds us that Proverbs is a collection of wise sayings to be passed on from one generation to another. We are first reminded here that Proverbs, that you have the great privilege and duty of instructing your children in what God has said. It's a great reminder for parents. Parents are to teach their children many things. But many times, they fail to pass on the word of God. Please don't do this. In Deuteronomy 6, we have the Shema. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That comes first. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. It could be said that the reason why many parents, many individuals don't disciple anyone, don't train up their children in the ways of the Lord, is because the words of God are not on their heart. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Think about the many conversations that you have with your children about many different things, and conversations you have with many people in your life. Is it about the Lord, or is it not? You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When we fail to love the Lord in our personal life, we will fail to pass it on. In other words, it begins with you. It begins with your walk with the Lord. What God has said is to be on our heart. And to have God's word on our heart, this involves the work of studying the word of God and the art of meditating on the word of God. Maybe you're saying, I don't have time for studying and I don't have time for meditating. Then you won't glorify God. 
We are to teach what God has said, but it first must be on our heart. We are to teach our children by talking to them as we walk with them in every setting, when we sit, when we eat, as we go, before bed, when they rise. If you are a spouse or a parent this morning and you will not study the Word of God for yourself, I beg of you, study the Word of God for your spouse and for your children. As a Christian, you have been entrusted with the Word of God. You are to guard it, and you are to pass it on. The Word of God has been delivered to you, and you are to deliver it to your children, to the church, and to the surrounding community. To your children, the church, and the community. As an adult, you've had many things passed on to you. You've had many things passed on to you from your parents and others. A love of something. Traditions. Habits. Sayings. Expressions. Even recipes. Things you thought that would never enter your life have entered your life because they have been passed on to you. My parents and in-laws, they have taught me much about the pursuit of the Lord the love of God, the love of people. I've learned about marriage. I've learned sayings that I use all the time that I learned from individuals in my life. Humor, sarcasm, relationships. I've learned about cars from my father. I've learned about pecan pie from my mom. There's many things that I have learned that has been passed on. The greatest thing that any of us can pass on in this room is the word of God. We are not asked to pass on the ancient godly path. We're not asked to do it. We are commanded to pass on the ancient godly path. It is a command. It's not an option. It's not an opinion. Your home is the starting place. And the starting place is not to be neglected. And it so often very much is. It says children are to hear. They are to take to heart. They are to walk in the instructions that their parents give them. The problem is many parents aren't instructing their children. It says sons and daughters are to be attentive. They are to listen closely to what their parents say. Most children are just listening to whatever their tablet and phone is saying. It says sons and daughters are to be attentive, to listen closely. Why? To gain insight. That is also understanding or to gain discipline. The fact that you can, you, as a child, you are to learn from your parents disciplines and instructions for your life. Solomon, he is pleading with his son. He wants his son to live a wise life. So he instructs him. Parents are to instruct and their children are to be attentive They are to incline their ears. That is, they are to turn their ears to what their parents are saying. But we are forgetful people. We fail to incline our ear to what the Lord has said ourselves, and then we tell our children one thing, and we think we've accomplished it when we haven't. It's repetition, it's repetition, it's repetition. We are forgetful. But let us also remember that there is nothing that compares to wisdom. Her worth and her value are immeasurable. 
It says, Hear, O sons, the Father's instructions. Be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. The wisdom of God that is being communicated is good and should not be forsaken. Verse 2 can also be read, I give you good doctrine, forsake not my law. So godly wisdom, godly instruction is good on every front and deserves great attention. So parents need to value God's word. The redeemed need to value God's word to the extent that I value it so much that I'm going to pass it on. That passing on the word of God becomes a priority for me as well as a blessing. The fact that my father and my father's father passed on the word of God, that the word of God has come to me, that I find it a blessing and a joy, but also a duty that I pass it on to my children so that my children can pass it on to their children. And to all who are instructed in the word, they need to be attentive to it and not forsake it. Good doctrine is needed. If God is to be glorified by us. Look at verse 3. He says, When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. What Solomon is passing on was passed on to him. What he was teaching his son he learned from his father. The good paths are the old paths. They are the ancient paths. We must not fall into the trap today and elevate experience above the ancient paths taught in God's word. We're not to be led by our feelings. We're not to be led by our emotions. We're to be guided and led by the truth that is found in the word of God. What people say to us what we say to others, what people experience, what you and I experience. Let us take what we hear and what we experience to the word of God. This is a work, dear saint, but it's also wisdom. That the word of God is breathed and sufficient. Like I said earlier, sola scriptura. Scripture is sufficient in that it is the only inspired and errant and therefore final authority for Christians for faith and godliness. And so much of today, we say we hold to Scripture, our life doesn't prove it. All other authorities are subservient to Scripture. Solomon understood this, and he was wisely instructing his son. He says, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Solomon was taught this, and now he is passing it on to his son. Solomon listened to his father David, but just like his father, he himself was not perfect, was he? David, David is remembered after man, after God's own heart, but he's also remembered as a man who despised God's word, committed adultery, as well as murder. Solomon. Solomon came before the Lord and asked for an understanding mind to shepherd the Lord's people. He was given wisdom, he was given riches and honor, but he also loved foreign women. 
How Solomon accomplished this, I have no idea. But he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And they turned his heart away from the Lord, and Solomon served false gods. It is not just our ears that need to hold fast to the word of God. It is our hearts. We must keep the commands of God if we are to live an abundant life in Christ. In scripture, what do we find? We find Adam failed. David failed. Solomon failed. We have failed. Christ did not fail. He is the greater Adam. In him, we find our salvation. And we need to take to heart all that God has breathed out. We need to keep his commands and live. That is a work of abiding in the word of God and doing the word of God. Do not think that you and I as Christians cannot live a foolish life. You can and you have. Just like David and Solomon, you and I were born sinners, separated from God, and if we are saved, we were saved by God's gracious call, but we are all one step away of being enticed and plunging down the evil path of destruction. Let your heart hold fast the words of God. Keep the commandments of God and live. The pursuit of wisdom is not a one-time pursuit. The pursuit of wisdom is not a seminary degree. The pursuit of wisdom is... Is not a short sprint. It is a marathon. It is a life process. The pursuit of wisdom is a daily work and struggle. Look at verse 5. The father is pleading with his son. He says, get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. So we're called to get wisdom and insight. Wisdom, the skill of God living, the righteous application of true knowledge, insider understanding, the skill of comprehending or of being discerning. So you get wisdom and you get insight and you do not forget them. Well, what does it mean if we are to be individuals who live every day, if we get these things but we do not forget? It sounds like we have a life of study before us. It sounds like we have a life of bringing ourselves before the word of God, reading what God has said, submitting our life to what he said so that we glorify him with our everyday life. It's like a sprinter running a race. They are trained not to look back, but to keep their eyes on the prize that's in front of them. We're to keep our eyes on Lady Wisdom, keep following her, keep listening to the word, and remain focused upon the love of God and what he has said, what he has promised. We're to get wisdom and insight and not forget. See, the problem is when you're running a race, there are many distractions. You have the person next to you that may be doing something weird, maybe they're falling back, they're coming forward. You have the crowd that's over here. People are screaming and saying different things, just like the many voices in this life. And many times we become content and we become complacent. You see this even as sprinters are running. The sprinter is not done running the race until he or she crosses the finish line. 
So many men and women have celebrated before they have finished. If you and I are alive, we are still running the race. The race is not over. We are to keep getting wisdom, to keep getting insight, and not forget. Look at the promise we find in verse 6. Do not forsake her. She will keep you. Love her. She will guard you. So Lady Wisdom, when not forsaken by us, will keep us. Lady Wisdom, when loved by us, will guard us. Notice what this verse did not say. This verse did not say that Lady Knowledge will keep you and guard you. In the words of Odie Bakken, if you can't say amen, you've got to say ouch. It's not Lady Knowledge it's lady wisdom. That it's coming before the Lord, sitting before the Lord, hearing the word of God, abiding in the word of God, and then going and obeying the word of God. That is what keeps you. Yes, your salvation is all of Christ. Yes, we play a role in our communion with God. Yes, but if we are to live wise life, we have a responsibility. Wisdom is more than facts and knowledge. It's trusting the word of God and living by it. It's being committed as a child of God to the good commands of God. It's being committed and living by the good commands of God. Look at verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. you got to love it. I mean, you think about a father He's already said the fear of Yahweh is beginning with knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then he says, look, son, I've been telling you over and over and over again. I'm instructing you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly. She will exalt you. She will honor you. If you embrace her, she will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Verse 7 is a repetition of verse 5. Look back at verse 5. It says, get wisdom, get insight. Now look at verse 7. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Verse 7 literally reads, wisdom is the principal thing. Get it. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get understanding. These words are clear. You and I, we need wisdom, and we need understanding. We need insight, for it's not fruitful to live without them. Then you find verse 8. Prize her highly. She will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. So Solomon has told his son three things. Number one, get wisdom and insight. That is a pursuit by you that we should want it as God's children, to have wisdom and to have insight because we desire to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So wisdom and insight are needed. That is number one. Number two, we are to not forget wisdom and insight. We're to keep our eyes on Christ by abiding in his word, keeping it in our lives, focused upon it. We guard what we have, not refusing, not refusing, not refusing 
in the thinking of it. We must not refuse with our life in thinking about the wisdom of God. And number three, we are to prize wisdom and insight. We prize it. We prize them highly. We lift up wisdom in our life. That is the glory of God on display in how you and I are living. I was reminded this past week of the great use of catechisms. If you walk to my, one of my three children and you ask them, even my youngest, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Okay. You also ask him, who made you? God made me. Okay. Why didn't God make you? For his glory. How do we glorify God? By keeping his commands and doing what he has told us in his word. My children will answer those questions. But here's an issue that I see in my life and possibly yours. Memorizing a catechism is not the end game. You can know systematic theology forwards and backwards. You can have biblical theology down to a T. You can look at the Old Testament and make a straight beeline to the New Testament. You can go and you can find Christ in the Old Testament, New Testament. You can preach a sermon. You can teach a Sunday school class. You can have all this down in your life. You can be ready and give a defense for the hope that lies within you. And yet, you are content with knowledge and not with a life that is being fruitfully lived for the glory of God and the keeping of His commands. That can be us. And we can miss it. We can become so content with knowledge that we don't lift high wisdom in our life. Solomon is pleading with his son. He is instructing his son. He is talking about wisdom and insight. And he has been doing so as if wisdom is his wife. Go back and read everything he's talking about. Psalm has been speaking with him and saying as if wisdom is your wife and you are to be intimate with your wife. Look back at chapter 4, verse 1. Moving forward, he says, don't forsake her. Then he says, love her. Then he says, prize her. Then he says, embrace her. And the result of embracing Lady Wisdom, she will keep you, she will guard you, she will exalt you, she will honor you. Placing a beautiful crown on your head, a garland of grace. In other words, having wisdom and insight is a beautiful display of God's amazing grace and nothing compares to wisdom. You see, we will either embrace Lady Wisdom that glorifies God, or we will embrace Dame Folly that will destroy our life. Wisdom brings numerous benefits in this life, giving you much reward, keeping you from much sin. But most of all, living a life of wisdom brings great glory to our great God. So our closing questions for us this morning are, have you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, or do you just know a lot about him?
Church, churches everywhere on this planet, they're full of people who are fans of Jesus and not followers. There's a, they're fans of theology. They're fans of what Christ has done, but they're not obedient to his commands for his namesake. Have you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, or are you just a fan of Jesus? Are you pursuing wisdom found in the Word of God? You can answer that very easily. Look at your life. Look at how you spend your time. Is it a priority? Do you enjoy meeting with the Lord? Do you still believe that Jesus is a Christ? Are you still confessing your sins day by day? Are you still abiding in his word? Do you show up to work saying, Lord, whatever happens today, my desire is to please you. I trust you. I know you. Are you keeping your eyes on Christ? The last question here really got to me this week. Are you prizing and embracing wisdom in your life as if it was your spouse? Are you prizing and embracing wisdom in your life? If you are redeemed this morning, you should love Christ. You should love wisdom and desire that the Lord be lifted high by how you live. Wisdom brings numerous benefits, giving you much reward, keeping you from much sin. But most of all, living a life of wisdom brings great glory to our great God. What is your heart set on? Is your heart set on the glory of Christ? Wisdom will guard your heart and life, dear saint. It will guard it. It will guard it from the foolishness of this world. It will guard it from seasons, months, years of depravity. Wisdom will guard your heart and life. Don't live foolishly. As Solomon is pleading with his son, I am pleading with you. Embrace wisdom. Get wisdom and insight. Whatever you get, get wisdom and insight. Father, I thank you for your holy word. Thank you for your word that convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Thank you for your word that is alive and active. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. Your son who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you for providing a way for sinners to be saved. Thank you for being patient with us as we continue to turn from you every day and to do what is right in our own eyes, ignoring what you have called us to do. Thank you for forgiveness. Father, we come before you again as needy individuals asking that you will give us godly priorities. Give us eyes to look at our life and to see where we have misplaced our trust, our affections. Give us eyes to see how we can adjust 
how we are living for your name and for your glory. Help us to remember the cross of your son and to not forget the price that he has paid for us. To not do things as if we are working for our salvation, but to do things because you have already granted us salvation by your grace. Lord, for the lost, draw them to yourself, convict them of their sin. And allow us the great high privilege of passing on your word to them, of training more people to be followers of you and not fans. Father, thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for using a fool like me to preach your holy word. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.